Welcome back to the Business Addicts Podcast. Today we have a guest, Meg Smith. How do you say your last name? I struggle with German names that start with S-C-H. Jamie knows this really well, so why don't you tell us what your name is? (laughs) My name is Meg Schmitz, and um, although I am no longer married to the man that gave me that name, if you look me up on the internet, I own it with that name, so I'm keeping it. Yeah, cool. All right. Anyway, Jamie and I will be talking to Meg about a lot of things, most likely, but one of the central themes will be family business, business in general, and whatever else Meg wants to talk about, because she's really, I don't know how to say it, just like a cool, bright, uh, amazing person that we've been fortunate to have in our lives. I feel the same way about you two. I, you two have the best voices for radio, although you are you are good looking enough for for video. Um, but yeah, yeah if we keep, I, if we keep the, head up, we're still good looking. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, your uh, your your voices are lovely and easy to listen to. Thank oh, you, thank Meg. You. I do I do love the saying though that this is the face of radio. Like it took me a, a few minutes to be like, wait, that's a thing. I like that idea. <laughs> Except for now with YouTube and, you know, everything else, even with podcasting, it's still our faces. So it's it's the face of radio, though. It is. Well, and you two have uh, have such interesting business, dynamic business experience. I was excited about this conversation because there's so much to talk about. Yeah, that's the hard part. Where do we get started? Maybe maybe you give us a little background into how you got into business and and what what started you in, in your journey? So the, the easy quick story is that 30 plus years ago, about 32 years ago, my husband at the time went to a franchise expo in Chicago. I didn't know that he wanted to own a business, but he came home all excited that day and said, that's it. Franchising is where it's at. Um, you unlock the door, you turn the lights and you're making money. And so it was almost like pin the tail on the donkey. He, he went and, to, to look, but he came home very specifically uh, interested in a concept called Great Clips, which is family hair care value priced, to which I said, we don't know anything about haircuts, doing haircuts except getting them cut. So why in the world do you want to do this? So the promise I understood, own a business, own a franchise, keep a job, have a diversified income stream. The problem was, he wasn't realistic about our employees um, and what that involvement was going to look like seven days a week. He wasn't paying attention to seven days a week and how it was going to impact the three things that I've told Jamie are now my three pillars when I'm working with, with my franchise candidates. It's how, how is this going to impact your wife, your life, and your money? Mm. Because any business that lives in your household is a whole separate entity. And it's going to impact your relationship and your financials. And, and so sure enough, it did. We ended up getting divorced um, a few years, uh, well, 11 years in and five locations. Someone made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I jumped the fence and came over to the consulting side. So now I work with startup businesses, business owners. I also work with individuals who are looking to own a franchise and help the two sides come together. So I, I'm working the family dynamic, not only in my own household and have for 30 years, and and seeing the you know the the upside of the deal can be really lovely, but you really have to be tempered about the reality of going into business with your family. Yeah. So 
I was very much like your husband. <laughs> I remember a day where Jamie was going to a, to a real estate auction. And I said, just make sure you come back with something. So I didn't even know, like, I didn't, I don't even know where that came from fully. It just, I just, maybe, maybe it was my gut to a certain extent, but I certainly did not know what it took to be a landlord. <laughs> um, I didn't know how it would be challenging in our relationship at all. I didn't think about any of that stuff. Absolutely. Same as your ex. Yeah. Well, Meg, before Kevin uh, takes us down an emotional rabbit hole, because I know that's his gift and, and area, I actually want to br- highlight a little bit of the franchise concept and just kind of um, expose or talk about like the difference between businesses that aren't franchise versus the ones that are, because I grew up in family business. I mean, there wasn't a single franchise. We didn't ask for help for anything. We were the accountant, the attorney, you know, you didn't ask professionals even in in the world I grew up in, you just figured it out. And so the challenge is that we have these mom and pop type um, operations where they're, it's really dependent on the owners and they haven't really figured out how to create a structure that's not based on them where they can step away from the business. And people were always shocked when, I mean, that was my focus when I was there. Um, And people were always like, how are you able to get away? Well, because I created a system that people could run when I'm not there, (laughs) but that's, so when I look at franchising to me, it's, it's an opportunity for people to already have the systems and structures available in a business so that someone could buy a business. Yes, you're going to run it. Yes, you're going to be in it and you can still step away. That's, that's the way I see it. But what is something that comes up for you? The, that is exactly the way that I have operated in the world of franchising. And I've told this story before. One of the nicest things my son said to me um, as we were sitting and, and reminiscing, and this is well after I had sold, he was graduating from college and he said, mom, I, I thought you were just a, a divorced stay at home mom. I didn't know that you owned all these businesses. And that's because I made the priority him to be there when he got on the bus and got off Mm -hmm. the bus and everything else I needed to do. I did around those hours when I needed to be a single stay at home Mm -hmm. mom. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that about franchising. If you're willing to put yourself in that position of I'm up here, I I own the business. I don't mean it like I'm elevated somehow, but you work on the business, not in the business. You have your industry experts, quote unquote, to to do that work because they know the ins and outs of how to monetize it, what the effort, the labor is. Somebody needs to be running the business from the top and all the, you know, all the administrative, executive, marketing, insurance, etc. Employees don't want to do that stuff. Somebody needs to run the, the, let's say the conductor in the, in the train going down the track you're the one following that's the franchise system is the railroad track. So you're the conductor who's got the train behind you. We're all going the same direction here. And so it's lovely to be able to um, benefit from a system that is as tightly organized as a good franchise. They're not all good, but for me now also becoming an entrepreneur and an independent business owner and employer, I can't tell you how often I go back to the structure that I learned and became ingrained in me during those 11 years with Great Clips. 
all of that has benefited my independent businesses because I, to your point, bring that structure in. Now I can unplug when I, when I need to, because I've assigned responsibility to other people. And the other piece that comes to mind too, and this is thinking about it from the perspective of, um, so Robert Kiyosaki has the game cash flow and the book, rich dad, poor dad. And in the game, once you get out of the rat race, which is getting your regular paycheck and, you know, trying to figure out life in a pretty common, you know, job capacity and then learning how to invest in things. But then once you get into the, that circle outside of the rat race, it's actually investing in franchises. I mean, that's one of the options storage, which is my background was one of the other ones. And, um, you know, there's a few other options like investing in Russian oil or something, but for most of us, I think the, the most common option that we just don't even know about sometimes is this option of franchising. So I'm really excited to know more about it, learn more about it. Well, it's, there are so many misconceptions and myths about it. I, I do spend a considerable amount of time with some people trying to bust up what they think they know and get them into what they ought to know and then the questions that they should ask in order to make sure for themselves it's the right fit because it's not the right fit for everybody. But um, it's, it is a, an investment mechanism that I've completely embraced and has monetized my single life as a divorced single mom. I'm now remarried. And, and again, I bring a lot of these principles to the companies that we own. And that's been invaluable for Pete my husband to learn some of these principles uh, of management and operations so that last month we went to Iceland for 10 days. So many of the business owners I talk to say, how do you do that? Don't you go for 10 days? Aren't you just stressed out to the max about what's happening while you're gone and you're shaking your head too? No, I really didn't think I didn't think about it at all. Sounds like a legacy business. I mean, that's what we we talk. Well, there's there's some discussion with different people that we've had in the past. Like, what does that actually mean? But to me, kind of sounds like what you're describing, where you can you've got it in a place where your kids could be more involved, like um, that type of thing. You can leave. You don't have to be tied to the business. You can choose what to, that that also means it's saleable, mm-hmm. right? So how, if you were to tell someone, just someone that's as inexperienced in business as me, because in, in, in what you guys are talking about, this is not my forte. I'm, like Jamie said, on the emotional slash IT background side. Um, how would you describe what it, what it looks like? Like, what is a legacy business? How do you get there? I don't know, wherever you want to start. How would you describe to me the difference between that daily obsessive owner that is continually thinking that everything that he's doing or she is doing um, that absolutely requires them. And then the business that you're describing where you've successfully been able to manage it from a place of working on the business, giving yourself the time to do that, creating the systems, all the vision work that it takes to get there. I'm going to turn it, turn it back onto um, a husband and wife I know who have six children. And probably when you two first met, 
you, you did not have a construct for how in the world you ended up where you are today. And so I tell a lot of people, you, if you vision, if you envision that you're going to have a business, um, start with the end in mind. Do you want to franchise it? Do you want, do you want multiple locations? It's just like when we get married and then find out that we're pregnant and that baby arrives, you're going, oh my God, when does it stop crying? Oh my God, when do I get any sleep? And a couple months later, you're going, okay, sleeping through the night. This is lovely. We got, check, we, we, we got that one. And then it's like whack-a-mole. Something else is going to pop up. But then you start to think about having that second one. You go, whether you plan it or not, systems, be, systems become apparent and you start to figure out a division of labor some couples do, not every couple does. Um, maybe it's division of labor with the kids, but maybe it's one is taking care of the kids and the other one now is really focused on, on generating the income. So when I'm talking to people about getting into business, I will frequently take them back if they have kids to that analogy because they can really, go, oh yeah, you know, by the time you have the third one, you're pretty much on autopilot. You know what you're doing, you know what to expect. Okay, four looks pretty easy from here. <laughs> That then starts to build into a, maybe a, a family opportunity, but it, not every legacy business is, is a family. Sometimes it's a very clear transition with an employee who has become absolutely invaluable and is showing um, interest in becoming a, a minority owner. Maybe they want to, you would like to transition the business to them over time. So it's a, it's a, period of time and, and performance that then demonstrates whether that's going to become a legacy business with an employee because not every kid is interested in running their parents' business. The legacy building is like eating an elephant. You can't just, you can't sit there in a room and say, oh, here's how we're going to do it. You really do need to take it one bite at a time and, and build into a good strategy. Meg, I love the uh, coming back to the six kids and, you know, <laughs> starting where with the end in mind. Because what you took me back to as soon as you said that was Kevin and I had three and then we had some space and um, I felt like God was asking us to have more. And I remembered thinking, I'm not going back to the way that we did it the last time. And yeah. so it's going to be different this time. Like, And I had to really, I really did kind of wrestle with what are my negotiables? What are my non-negotiables? And then how am I going to do this with that this time? So I'm still going to work full time. I'm still going to, you know, and, and I, I ended up hiring a nanny and hiring help for the areas that I needed help. It was so doable. It was so amazing. We created amazing systems and structures and having two or three more was easier than the first three. <laughs> so absolutely. You are not wrong in your analogy. <laughs> I don't know too many people who get married with this vision board of, of what it's going to look like. And then they get there. There are always these navigational twists and turns that pop up, but that's the world of business too. We just lived through a pandemic and people couldn't see around corners and didn't know what to expect mm -hmm. next. So there's definitely an element of um, plan to be surprised. And then when the surprise comes, you're not surprised and mm -hmm. you're better equipped because you're not caught in the lurch of like, Oh, I never saw that coming. You probably never did. But, but especially like the two of you working together, you have the opportunity with somebody who, who knows the business inside and out to navigate it much, much 
as much help as a mentor or mentors are, and everybody needs mentors because different experiences will inform how you address those situations. So you take it all in from, from everywhere and do the best you can then to make a decision that will be for the best interest of your company. Hopefully that's the life of your company. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm processing a lot of what you're saying because I feel like, like I'm one of those people where people say things over and over to me and then there's, there's somewhere in the future where the light bulb comes on. And I feel like what you, what you compared between, yeah, it was very helpful for me. So I'll, I'll be thinking about that for a little bit. <laughs> I'm big on analogies. Um, I, I think running a business turns people into a, a bit of a robot. And, and I, by that, I mean, here's what I think I need to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it again. And then you get into that definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome or even better doing the same thing over and over again, knowing you should be doing something different and getting the same result. But human, we're humans and we, we fall into this human nature is I want to learn. I want to know, I want to pull it apart and see what makes it tick. And then I can build it back to get, put it back together again and hand it over to somebody else. Some people can't ever get out of that. Well, uh, I, I figured it out now it's mine. And that's where business owners get stuck a lot of the time and they can't go to Iceland and they can't break away for a kid's basketball game because they really begin to believe that no one else can do it as well as they can. And that's a fallacy. I know a lot of business owners think about the vision work as annoying because there's whatever you're, whatever consultant they're working with. It's like, that's where we want to start. Like, what is your vision? Does it, is it still aligned with today? Right. But I, I was actually thinking this morning about like Jamie's challenged me a little bit to focus on like, what can I do to move the business forward? Because a lot of times I get very reactive and just do what she asked me to do because that's easy. She processes a lot of stuff. And so um, anyway, I was thinking about the vision that we have of in our business of nurturing um nurturing family business I, I forget jamie do you know the vision off the top of head nurturing yeah. legacy empowering growth yeah so Ooh, i was thinking one. about developing a task list for myself related to nurturing is the first word i was for, focused on and um i guess as i'm thinking about what you're saying that's coming up and i think it is a good place to start like okay so if i'm going to be nurturing um, legacy and thinking about how we're going to get people that are starting not even close to legacy and not really with, they, they want to understand what that means, but they don't know how to get there. How am I going to nurture that? How am I going to help them bridge the gap for, from where they are right now? And I guess I can see the wisdom in that and what you're saying. And if you're stepping back and saying, okay, I want to build a business, start with your vision pretty much all of us say, what's that, you know, but we have to be willing to start that process. The, the nurturing word I, I think about with my own business and how it, how my business has evolved 
over the last, so I'm 60 years old. I've been a business owner for more than 30 years. So that's more than half my life. And I think it's the same, Jamie, for you being involved in business and where, where I put my energy now based on where my business is, is so much different because now what I'm looking for is that ability to work with a really skinny little pipeline of really high, highly qualified people. Well, I have nurtured my ideal avatar, my ideal client. I hear the avatar word all the time now, but I, I can envision who my ideal referral is and know where I want to get that referral from, who, who that referring party would be. I don't buy leads anymore. I don't want tire kickers. I, I want to be able, even on a, a, a time like this where we're between the holidays, I want to go out and walk my dog. I don't want to be tethered to my computer to talk to people who are just kicking around and don't understand what my expertise or the value of my experience and wisdom. It, wisdom comes from experience, which you can only get over time and by inserting yourself. So I nurture so much differently now, but I know what kind of an outcome financial I'm looking for. And I know that I can get there with certain people and referrals from certain sources. So I'm very specific now about nurturing, say, my referral sources and where to go find new ones. And it's totally different when you're first getting started and saying, well, I want to nurture that first dollar of revenue. <laughs> you're really a whole different, whole different place on the spectrum. Kevin, are you going to take us down an emotional road into the deep dive of uh people in business and partnerships and relationships i'm ready if you're if you're ready to take us there yeah well i would <laughs> i would love to talk about like i don't want to pick on people <laughs> that don't that don't get this what you're saying but i i would like to ask some questions around like going back to the days with your husband before you got divorced your first husband what do you think that he could have brought to the table to to be able to balance that new business and you at the same time and his family. Yeah, there's such a difference between um, that husband in business and this husband in business. Um, and what I recognized, uh, what I recognized with my first husband is that he's a shiny, sparkly dreamer. Mm -hmm. he, and he's still at 72 chasing. He doesn't have a retirement plan. He doesn't, he really needs to work until he's done because everything he goes after is the next new shiny, mm. sparkly thing. That's not the way that I'm wired. So what, what I realized is that I am, I, I love the structure of a franchise because I'm not an inventor. I'm a doer. I'm an executor. Mm -hmm. Give me a playbook. Give me a recipe card. You're going to get an amazing result. I'm not where my, my current husband is. Um, Jamie and I have talked about this a bit. Um, we're, we're better aligned because we understand that we are pulling for the same end goal, yeah. but where he's going to spend his energy is different from where I'm going to spend mine. Mm -hmm. And that has created some stress because we own so many businesses that somebody's got to do it. And, and mm -hmm. he's, he's a builder. There's still execution. 
And because I married him with these businesses already in existence, there's been a huge amount of pushback to me being inserted into the business. Mm -hmm. So I've got a whole different story to tell now than, than how my first marriage fell apart to now what steps have I taken to make sure this one doesn't fall apart? Yeah. Because it shouldn't fall apart because of a business. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. totally different strategies that I'm executing now than I did in my first marriage. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, uh, so far, a lot of our clients are in the middle of that decision about, okay, so how do we keep our relationship as a family? And we're not, we're not talking about husband and wife most of the time, but, there's usually been some of that in the past, but um, how do we stay together or do we want to just lawyer up and, and find a way to separate? And so we're, the lawyers are on one side of the discussion and we're on the other. Mm-hmm. And so I guess uh, I'm, I'm always looking for anything that can help me understand how to reach out to the, to whatever side is is willing to dig a little deeper and do the work themselves, you know. Um, I I want to understand even uh, your first husband, like what what's driving him after the shiny objects, you know. I had I I had someone that I worked for that was exactly like that, and didn't matter how many small sales that we had, small they wouldn't have been actually small, but in his mind, small sales that we had that were actually aligned with the product that we already had, he wanted the big sale. And if he didn't have the big sale, he was figuring out some way to get there. Um, So if you have any insight, I'd love to hear it. Otherwise, we'll go back to Jane. (laughs) (laughs) There there was a lot that you said just there. You know, I, I do not know what drives him to be... what drove him or, or why he's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It really is a definition of insanity because he's not getting further ahead financially the way that I have gotten ahead financially. Um, and so a strategy that I thought was totally crazy. Um, and my husband, current husband and I, by the way, he's the final husband. Commitment. I love it. (laughs) But the, the comment that he made to me is it doesn't matter if we're related by marriage or not, whether it's a family business, because some of them are family businesses that we own and others are just, we have employees and they're not relatives of ours in any way. He said, I look at you in, in the silo of you are my business partner. You're in the silo of you're my board member, you are my board advisor, um, you are an equal in owning the business because we live in the state of Wisconsin. If anything happens, then mm-hmm. that's your transition plan. It's it's governed by the state. But the other hat or the other silo is we are married and we have a personal relationship. And I was smiling a little bit ago because I, I have one a good friend in a mastermind group who owns a family business and he has two different caps and the bill of one cap says dad and the bill of the other cap says boss. 
And so depending on what the discussion is, and so when he's had enough and it's time for Thanksgiving, dad goes on. That's and awesome. so I thought you know, that's a really hard distinction for people who are emotionally wound up in an end result. Mm -hmm. But if you can separate yourself or, or your clients can separate themselves from the emotion of it being right, you're mm -hmm. wrong, take yourself out of that and put yourself into one of those two hats or, or into one of the two silos. And so Kevin, one of those stories that I was telling Jamie recently, Pete and I were in total disagreement, total complete disagreement about an issue in one of the companies that is his to begin with. And he wants me to have equal and forget that his employees don't want that. And it, I was out walking the dogs and I thought the answer to this is just so easy rather than being at loggerheads over how to build and expand and, and make this particular business a legacy business that will stand the test of time. Mm -hmm. I went out for a walk with my dogs on a Saturday morning and I came back in he said, are you ever going to talk to me again? I said, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it right now. I love that. And so I might use that line. <laughs> Mr. Chairman of the board, Mr. CEO, and I did, I had just a little bit of attitude like that. <laughs> Here's the deal. Effective immediately, I resigned from the board and I wish you the best of luck, but my time is better spent in other endeavors. And so effective immediately, I'm stepping down. Mm. And he took a second to process it. And he, victim of his own suggestion, he looked at me and he said, are you saying you want a divorce? <laughs> no, Mr. Silo. I'm jumping over to the other side. I'm going over to the marriage side because if our marriage is going to succeed, I need to get out of this silo over here. Because if what you're saying is the two sides don't intermix and don't intermingle, which I don't believe in, they do, but that's what he believes. So I, I made a decision a couple of months and I'm not looking back. I, I've said to him as your wife, I'm available anytime for a discussion, mm -hmm. but I need you to proactively bring it to me. I'm not going to ask you, mm. but if you want to talk about it and, and have it be a, a husband and wife conversation, then bring it on. Let's do it. So that silo or the two hats that, that seems to be a good physical representation of, okay, this question or this topic, let's, let's put it into the category. Yeah. And then that way we can, we can still have a real relationship outside of that. Now, for some of your clients who are not related, mm -hmm. then you're going to lawyer up. If you haven't mm -hmm. lawyered up already, mm -hmm. which shame on you, you should always have a, a an operating agreement for any business mm -hmm. partnership. So you do know what the separation looks like. Yeah. So I was having a conversation with a business owner recently and talking about how what I've seen happen for myself, what I've been in the middle of is, you know, sometimes, especially when it's a partnership or a husband and wife or a, you know, father, son, father, daughter combo where there's one side has an idea, like you're saying with you and Pete, you were, you're on the, you had a different idea or a different thought about it. And so then we just continue to fight between those two ideas, not realizing that sometimes there's a third option. And in this case, the third option for you was to take yourself out of the position and not look for, you know, a third solution to just that one problem. But sometimes it's stepping back and going, okay, 
because what I've also found is that we're probably both right. Either one will work. It's who wants to take the ball and run with it. And then like, there's some things where I'm, I'm also very aware that in those partnerships, when both sides can't agree that it's also a space for us to say, oh, maybe neither one of these is right. And let's look for a third solution. And I think that's what you did in this situation where it was like, wait, I don't need to be right. You don't need to be right. Actually, there's a third option here. And I really want business owners to lean into that because I think that there's an intuitive piece when working in a partnership. And when both sides are in disagreement, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It means that it's time for a third option. Mm -hmm. That's what was coming up. And that's also why I appreciate that there, there are mentors. You have to be selective mm-hmm. about your mentors and understand what their own um, point of view is and, and their skews. Um, but surround yourself as a business owner with outside voices of experience who have perhaps gone through the same, never the same, but similar dynamic. Because there's so, to your point, there's so many different ways of coming up with a solution, a business coach is a great option, a a mediator type of a person, somebody who can, okay, we've got a disagreement here. We don't want to lawyer up. We don't want to separate, but we need to find common ground. There are so many great resources out there in order to maintain the, the continuum of success and, and enhance it. And no one has to be right or wrong. There are, there are always other ways of dealing with it. And, you know, another option that came up for us is sell the damn company. That'll solve the problem real quick. Yep. And what's interesting about that is that there are a lot of, there are a lot of people looking to acquire businesses that are already in operation. So that's totally viable way of finding an amicable exit. And sometimes it's a really successful exit that allows you to go and find something else to do. I love it. That's a mic drop moment because that's the other piece that we get blind to, you know, when we're looking for our ideas to be the only one or when we get locked, locked down basically and stuck, right? Then we don't even think of the idea of maybe it's time to sell it. And maybe that's coming up now for a reason. It's okay. Yeah. I'd like to, Jamie, before you keep going, I'd like to try to summarize this up emotionally what i'm realizing is when so a lot of times when we have our weekly fight let's say i'm just kidding but but kind of um maybe daily uh um if i'm coming with emotion that's defensive in other words my emotion i'm using my emotions to defend my position then I'm just asking to stay stuck. But if I, if my emotion is coming from a place of like, I'm feeling like a lot of times the emotion um, that can be constructive is not voiced. In other words, I'm not going to tell you what I really feel so that we can put it out there and investigate what's behind all this. Um, But when I am willing to go there, then I, then we can start to have progress. So that's kind of what I got out of what you're saying, Meg, when I'm thinking about it emotionally is like you're stepping back, being introspective, processing what what matters to you inside and prioritizing, listening to the part of you that's like, that's 
that's clear giving voice to those those emotions like okay i like being in this business but i like my relationship better and then you make a choice from that i think a lot of times where where things are just completely stuck is where there's not an openness and maybe you could call it like a emotional iq um, strength of listening to what's inside and giving a voice to it and letting it come out so that we can actually put the real the real needs on the table and it's really hard to be in business with somebody who's not uh, verbal or mm. maybe in touch with the the emotional intelligence the intellectual side there there are so many different roles or, or emotions and ways to run a business some people are not vocal some yeah. people are vocal but they're not really in touch with yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm married to somebody who is both mm. not in touch with his he push he pushes them away not not in our marriage so much but the hard thing about hard things in business is that somebody's got to freaking do it. And so I don't want to deal with that. I'm going to procrastinate. I really want to wait. And, and it takes him a long time to process through something. So he doesn't verbalize. You know, let me think about that. I just get that growing a horn. You look like you're growing a horn on your forehead. And I think, and I react and I don't mean I'm reactive. I just, I think, and I act. Oh, mm. I recognize the problem. We need to take care of this. And I'll bring mm, it to his attention because yeah. it's his business. Well, you know, let me think about that. And he's really busy. And two weeks later, the problem has now become more exacerbated. It, it needs now a different response. And his default mm. is, let me think about that. And that <laughs> that's where we really... This doesn't sound familiar at all. <laughs> ...ran into, a, we need to get someone in the middle, I don't care if it's male or female, but someone who's a business psychologist, business advisor yeah. who, who can really help to, to answer what, what kind of options are there. And another thing that I'll throw in here too, is that some people are, are scarcity and some people are abundance mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people who are scarce are scarcity are saying, I, I need to protect what I've got. I just don't touch this because it's, it's good enough right here. And others see opportunity for employees and customers and new product lines or revenue streams. And, and so the scarcity person wants to protect and the abundance person wants to grow. So right, this whole thing is, is complex and fraught with peril. And in order to succeed and, and turn it into something really rewarding, it takes putting your personal uh, point of view and um, outcomes to the side and say what is in the best interest of the of the whole. But you do have to have a level of communication that's really honest and and direct. Yeah. Thank you for what you shared. And speaking of communication, there's a um, assessment called lifelanguages.com. And I don't know if I've had you take that one yet, but <laughs> She's it's just one of my favorite, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's one of the 10. Um, but it's specifically around communication and the way that it's helped Kevin and I is around identifying and giving us the language to be able to know when we're at our best selves, how do we operate 
and when we're not. And so I'll give you some examples and maybe you'll be able to self-identify in some of them. I'm going to start straight from where I think you might be uh, familiar with. So one of them is an action language and it's called a mover. And it's someone that is highly innovative, um, has high standards and um, loves to, to innovate, right? That's often an entrepreneurial language. Well, when that person is under stress, they are attack, demand, attack. Those are their, you know, chronic distress signals that they're sending up. They're going to attack, demand, attack. And then um, when they're there for too long or when it's a chronic distress signal, maybe they've been there for a long time, it's going to look like uh, my way or the highway. It's just one way, move over, you know, and, and or get in line, I guess I should say, maybe more than move over. It, so then let's take a, a totally different language which is an influencer language, which is more of a feelings-based language. And an influencer at their best is going to be, um, you know, very passionate or very, um, I'm not having the right words come to mind right now, persuasive. but enthusiastic, persuasive, like in a good way, right? And, and influencing through feelings and being able to connect with people, probably a very connected person. And what their need is, you know, is probably some approval or appreciation from others, Um but when they're under under distress, they might look like deny, justify, blame, accuse, you know? Um, so what helped us, and specifically me, in learning these languages is, is to realize these are my distress signals. It's not who I am at my best. And sometimes when we get to that place of chronic stress or stress for a long time, for me, my languages, what you're going to see, attack, demand, attack. Then you're going to see criticize, eliminate, take over. <laughs> like it's going to be all of them. And if Kevin is under stress, you're going to see um, maybe some justifying denial and withdrawal. There's no one for me yeah, to attack avoid. anymore. He's just going to avoid me completely. So, but now that we're aware that this is how we react under stress, can we have the conversations to say, or even the, the self-awareness to go, wait, this is my stress-based reaction. This is not the best version of me. And, and how do we get back to that place of being in the partnership where we're operating as the best version of ourselves? And how do we minimize or eliminate or reduce the amount of stress-based communication? Um, that's something that I'd like to see more of. And yet I know that I, I fall into that category myself. It, 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 no judgment. This is where we are. It's really hard as human beings. And I think it's hard in the United States and it's hard right now to be accountable and take responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's so much easier to just blame it on somebody else or, or say it's not my fault. Not my area of expertise, fill in the blank. <laughs> it's not. And, and so if it's not, then it's going to fail. And it, it takes hard work. To make a marriage work, it takes hard work to launch a business off the ground. You think about, you look at the numbers and so do I. How many new businesses were started during the pandemic? How many new businesses at the start of the pandemic made it through the first year? We're a year, we're coming up on the fourth year. It was March of 2020. So many businesses launched because there was all this new pivotal technology and thinking. And there are a lot of households that all the all of a sudden, two partners found themselves, one with an entrepreneur that they didn't know they were living with. Mm. And I go back to saying, you've now invited a third person into your marriage. 
you need to figure out how you're going to be honest and expressive and maintain the quality. It's one of my standards too. I, I refuse to help somebody get into business if they're going to compromise the quality of their wife, life, and marriage. Mm. That business does not belong in that dynamic because there are too many other vulnerabilities that they need to be honest about what steps are they going to take to protect what is it truly a value. And if you're an integrated whole and, and want to get into business together, or you're going to buy a business, uh, you're going to be offered the opportunity to step into a legacy role with a business. Take care of what nurtures you and your life. Because I, having been divorced, I, no one should get divorced because of a business. It happens all the time. And it's really coming back to, I think, accountability and responsibility to, to, to protect what, what works and what you hold in a place of value. Meg, thank you so much for sharing your, what you've seen, what you've been through, being vulnerable about it and um, creating some awareness around this. This is reality. When we're taking on the idea of a business, growing a business, being a part of a business and being in relationships, there's, we can, we can say they're siloed and we can turn the hat, but the reality is it's the same hat. It's the same head. It's the same head. (laughs) It's the same head. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. It's such a valuable conversation. As you know, we're going to continue the conversation into um, a a roundtable evening event that we're putting together in early 2024. The, The relationship, the health of the relationship, of the partnership, and again, whether you're just partners or you're just family, it's a complex and really chunky conversation. And I love helping people see their way through it and, and keep the integrity of the whole. So thank you for having me on. I I appreciate the conversation. Thank you for tuning in and to stay in touch, email us at info at businessaddictspodcast.com.